If you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 119, uh, that's where we're going to be today. Psalm 119 is uh, in, in the book of Psalms, and that's right in the middle of your Bible. So if you, if you open the middle of your Bible, you'll find it there, or you can use your device, whatever you're, you're using for, uh, for your Bible this morning. Uh, Psalm 119 is the longest of the Psalms. It's got 22 sections, each of those are based on a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Today, we're going to deal with verses 9 through uh, 16. This is the second section um, that is uh, built around the Hebrew letter Beth. So every verse starts with that Hebrew letter. It's written to be memorized. Um, one of the things that we've produced for this series is a, a music project. You can get it uh, anywhere uh, digital music is sold, uh, or you can get a CD uh, today. They're available um, out in the hall as well. A suggested donation of $10 for those. That's just to cover printing and producing those. Um, but what has happened for me is as I'm listening to it, I'm God's word is getting into my heart, and it's been a real encouragement. Now, one of the challenges, though, becomes that when I read, uh, I start reading in rhythm uh, to the song that I've been listening to. So I'll do my best not to do that. Psalm 119, uh, last week we read a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon who said that Psalm 119 was the mirror of a gracious heart. And so when we look at Psalm 119, what we see there is something that should be reflected in a heart that's been transformed by the grace of Jesus. So our hearts, transformed by the gospel, should find their reflection in Psalm 119. And again, this week, we're looking at verses 9 through 16. This section begins with a question. How can a young man keep his way pure? This is a question. Now, it seems that he's saying his way has already been changed, so his way is pure, the question is, how do I keep it? And then his answer is, by guarding it according to your word. So his way has been changed. He's headed a pure way, and he wants to be kept from turning back to following his own. And man, that sounds familiar in my life. We sing a song that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And man, do I identify with that in my life. It's, it's, like the, it's like the front end of my soul is out of line. You know, you're driving down the road in a car that's out of alignment and you've got to turn the wheel this way to go straight. That's what I feel like sometimes. Like my heart just wants to lean its own way so often. And the, the, the psalmist is saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And so his understanding of walking with the God of the Bible isn't, I got this. God, no, I got this. I can do this on my own. His, his uh, understanding is also not, hey, I'm perfect. Look at me. His understanding is, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. How do I not wander? And his answer is, by guarding it according to your word. And the rest of this section of Psalm 119 is a continued answer to that question. So we're going to read verses 9 through 16 pray, and then we'll jump in. Verse nine, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. 
In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray together. Father, would you give us a heart that asks this question today? Um, Regardless of how we are related to you right now, whether we're followers of you that wander, whether we're not yet followers of Jesus, would you give us hearts that ask this question? How can I keep my way pure? How is this even possible? How can it happen? And Lord, would you give us uh, the eyes to see wonderful things in your word so that we might know? Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts and lives today? Would you show us what your word says in its fullness? And Lord, would you capture us? Capture our hearts from wandering after our own way. Capture our hearts from wandering from you. Capture our hearts. Captivate us, compel us by your grace and your love and your mercy shown in your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And we're going to break this section down into two things. First, in verses 9 through 12, we're going to see that God's word is given for our protection. And then we're going to see in verses 13 through 16, purity is found in our humble obedience to him. First, God's word is given for our protection. This section begins with a question, and the rest of the section is an extended answer. The question is, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, the writer is looking for an answer to this question. He's speaking about a young man, but that certainly doesn't um, exclude anyone who's not a young man, okay? We don't know how old this guy is. We know he's young enough to be considered young, so he's younger than I am. I'm, my kids think I'm, uh, my kids don't think I know anything about culture years old. That's how old I am. We were at the skating rink a few weeks ago, and uh, there was a guy out there, he was in his 60s, out there just tearing it up on the ice skating rink, And I said to Nathan, I said, man, that's the OG right there. He said, dad, who taught you that? (laughs) I said, son, I know things. Like I, I, I know things. Don't, don't dad, just don't, don't. So that's how old I am. I'm old enough for my kids to think I don't know things. So, uh, but this guy, we don't know how old he is, but we do know that the question matters for more than just young men. This matters for young men, young women, Older men, older women, it it matters. This question matters. It seems that he's walking in a pure way because he wants to keep his way pure and he guards it according to his word. So he's walking in a way that reflects a wholeness of life. He's not a double-minded man. He's not living one way here and one way there. He doesn't have one persona in this place and another persona in this place. He's walking with God in a way that is whole or pure. So how can a young man keep his way pure? How can he keep his way in this fashion? And the answer is by guarding it according to your word. Now, in Psalm 119, when the word word is used, it refers to all that God has spoken. And so it's really interesting to me that here, the question, how can a young man keep his way pure, is followed by the answer, by by guarding it according to your word. And so the answer to this question is all that God has spoken. Now, my concern when we read that verse is we see pure as this list of things we do and don't do, largely defined by our context and culture. 
So we do these things, we don't do these things, and it's this list of do's and don'ts. And then when we read, guarding it according to your word, we hear list of do's and don'ts. We hear checklist. So I, I want to have the right checklist over here, so I go to the Bible to find my checklist. And if we see uh, this verse in that way, we miss something grand and glorious that this word's trying to teach us. So before we move on to the rest of the psalm, I just want us to notice that the question and answer communicate a few things. First, it communicates that there is a pure way and that God's word gives the description of it. There is a pure way and God's word gives the description of it. The pure way is an objective standard that's true for all people at all times. It's objective, it's out there. It's not determined by us. It comes to us from God through his word. Now, in our culture, that's not accepted as fact. In our world, the pure way is not some objective standard outside you. The pure way is something you pick and you determine. And so we're left with a million pure ways, or a few billion pure ways, I should say. In our world, we want to be the ones who determine both what is pure, and how we determine what pure is. And so when the psalmist says, how does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, he's saying, God has spoken, and that is the way a pure way is found. Now in Psalm 119, there's six, uh, this section, there's six ways that we hear about God's word. First, the word word. It means what the covenant-keeping God has spoken. It encompasses all that God has said. Second, commandments. This is what the covenant-keeping God has commanded. It reinforces the idea that God has authority to communicate to us what he wants. Uh, Third, statutes. This is what the covenant-keeping God has laid down as law. It carries the idea of permanence of God's word as binding. Next is rules, what the covenant-keeping God has ruled to be right. So this is God's standard. God has made the world. He gets to decide what is right and that is his rules. Next, testimonies. This is probably my favorite one. This says, what this is what the covenant-keeping God solemnly testifies to be his will. So this is God revealing something of his heart and desire to us. Precepts, what the covenant-keeping God has appointed to be done. Now, in all of these, God is supreme. We are his subjects. In all of these, we are We are his subjects, God is supreme. And in all of these, God is also the covenant keeper. That though he is supreme and though we have rebelled against his supremacy, he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die so that we could be forgiven and welcomed into his family. And so God is the supreme one, we are his subjects, and God is the covenant keeping God who draws us into fellowship and his family by the death of Jesus. And so there is a pure way, and we find that way in God's word. Now, the point of Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, is that we understand this pure way, and we guard this pure way by understanding the whole of God's word. And so it's not about getting a checklist. It's about understanding our place in the whole of God's story. 
It's about understanding our place in the whole of God's story. And so we understand that from all eternity, God had existed perfectly happy in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, completely happy. And as an overflow of his happiness, he created his world. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't, you know, looking for someone to play, you know, a fourth to play spades with. Like he was perfectly happy in all of eternity. And out of an overflow of that happiness, he created the world. And into that world, he placed the crown of his creation. In Genesis, we read that their names are Adam and Eve. And he said that they were made in his image, which means that we're made to both see his glory in a unique way and reflect his glory in a unique way. And so God made the world. It's God's world. He placed his creation in his world, and that creation was to live for God's glory. And though we were made to see and reflect his glory in a unique way, to live in God's world as God's creation for God's glory, Adam and Eve, and we followed them in this, said, you know what? We're gonna go do our own thing. We want to have our world that we've made and we want our glory. I mean, if you think back to that beginning story in Genesis, God, God gave commands that were entirely positive. Most of the commands in Genesis 1 and 2 are incredibly positive. Be fruitful and multiply. That's positive. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. That's positive. This is what you get to do. And I've given you a beautiful creation. I've given you a relationship with me. I've given you a relationship with one another. Now go and do these things. Now there's just one thing in the universe you can't do. Just don't eat of that tree right there. And rather than submit to God and his word, they decided they would live in their world that they wanted to create. They'd be their own creation, deciding on, them, on their own what they would do and they would live for their glory. And so the pure way in God's word becomes us understanding that this is God's creation, excuse me, that it's God's world, that we are God's creation, and we are to live for God's glory. And since that first act of rebellion in Genesis 3, all of us have been wandering this way, where we want to live in our world, where we get to make the rules, as our creation, where we get to decide, and for our glory, where we're seen and savored. That's, that's the way we're prone to go. And this God who made the world, made us to live in it, and made us for his glory, and to be seen as glorious, loved these rebellious people so much that he sent his son Jesus to live, die and rise again so that rebels could be made relatives. So that we could be forgiven of sin and made family. That's the, that's the Bible story. And so God sent his son Jesus so that we could live into this pure way where we're living in God's world as God's creation for God's glory. 
And so if we come to the Bible as a list of rules to follow, or if we come to the Bible as a checklist, and we don't understand all of these commandments fit under this reality that we're living in God's world as God's creation for God's glory, we'll see them as checklists. We'll see, hey, don't lie, not as a reflection that we're made in in the image of the one who's true, We'll see it as just this thing that's a a burden. We don't understand, don't commit adultery uh, as as something that's good, a good command of God because adultery hurts people and it's not a a depiction of him as, as, as the one we're made in his image. We don't understand commands in a right way unless we see them in the context of God's world, God's creation, God's glory. And so an important, a real important question for us today would be this. Am I submitting to God's way as God's creation for God's glory? Or am I trying to live in my world as a self-made person for my own glory? That's a real important question for us today. There is a pure way. That's to live in God's world as God's creation for God's glory. So often we rebel against him and try to do our own thing. And this God who loves us sent his son Jesus to invite us back. So he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. He's not saying you gotta find all the things to do and check all the boxes. He's saying we've gotta live into this grand story because word encompasses all that God's spoken then we see that this word, this pure way needs to be guarded and kept. I said earlier, it feels like the front end of our soul is out of line and we're always going to the left or to the right. We're always kind of going away from his way. And so the writer says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And I don't know about your life, but it feels like my heart is constantly under attack. Like there's this constant wandering from his way. From outside, the world telling me I should be in charge of my own life, I should determine my own path, I should do my own thing. From inside, my Romans 7 reality where I want to do what I don't want to do, I end up doing what I don't want to do. You know, all that stuff in Romans 7. This reality that I want to go one way and I end up going the absolute opposite so many times. This way is to be guarded when we remember over and over that we're in God's world, living as God's creation for God's glory. And so he gives God's word for our protection. It's given for our protection. And when we live into that story, we're living the life that God intends for us to live. A life of joy and hope and protection and safety. And then we see in the rest of the psalm that purity is found in our humble obedience to him. Purity is not found in us getting the list and doing the list. It's found in humble obedience. We're dependent on the Lord to live into his story. Look at verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Why would he pray that if it wasn't a potential? With my whole heart, I want to seek you. Please don't let me wander. I'm prone to wander, God. Don't let me. I've stored up your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Again, your word, not simply your command or your rule or your precept, but your word. This entire story that I'm living in God's world as God's creation for God's glory and by God's grace, I belong to him. Storing up that story in our heart that I might not sin against you. Then he says, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So I need you to teach me, God. I need you to teach me. I'm prone to wander. I'm dependent on you. I need you to teach me in verse 12. And then the rest of the psalm becomes four ways we store up God's word in our hearts. Ways God uses his word to teach us his word. And the first one is in verse 13. The way we store up God's word in our heart is verse 13. We delight in God's word. He says, with my lips, I'm sorry, verse 13 is declare. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. And so declaring God's word is a means of storing up his word in our hearts. One of the ways we declare God's word here is we sing. We sing. And aren't we blessed by the songs that we sing week in and week out here? Aren't we blessed by Pastor Nathan and his leadership and and those who lead us in worship that are on his team. I tell him very often, people do not leave here humming my sermon. (laughs) But you guys, we sing good, rich gospel songs that that get into our hearts. They're stored up in our hearts as we declare it. And then opportunities for teaching. Some of you teach in Exodus Kids. We're so blessed by that. Thank you for serving Jesus by serving our children so that they can learn the, the, the gospel of Jesus. But as you teach, you're declaring God's word and that gets stored up in your heart. There's, there's this work that happens where you take God's word in and give God's word out that causes it to get stored up in your heart. That's one of the ways is to declare God's word. The next way in verse, uh, verse 14 is to delight in God's word as a means of storing it up in our hearts. He says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Now, all of us are not motivated by riches. Some of us are. We're very motivated by money and stuff and accumulating wealth. Whatever it is that your heart is motivated toward, whether that's success or control or security or money, whatever it is, the psalmist says, I delight in your testimonies as much as I delight in those things. And so one of the ways we store up God's word in our heart is to delight in it. The psalmist says, it's not a chore to read God's word because I'm delighting in it. Then he says in verse 15, another way we store up God's word in our heart is we meditate on God's word. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. Now that word meditate so often means emptying your mind of everything. So if you're meditating, you're trying to get everything out of your mind. That's not the way the Bible describes meditation. The Bible describes getting God's word into your mind. So it's not emptying your mind, it's filling your mind with the truth of God's word. And he says, I will meditate on your precepts, I will fix my eyes on your ways. He's describing our our mental chewing gum. That thing we're thinking about 
when our mind goes on screensaver. You know what I'm talking about? When you're, when you're just, just in, in this mode where you're just thinking and kind of staring off in the distance and you're driving so you've passed like two exits and you don't remember them, you know? I'm, maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. But so you're, you're meditating, you're thinking, you're contemplating, you're chewing on, you're, you're, you're marinating in God's good word. That's one of the ways we store up his word in our hearts. And then lastly, we memorize it. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I love here how delight leads to memorization. Uh, We memorize things we delight in. Uh, Some of you could give me every stat about the Cleveland Cavaliers that's ever been written down. Some of you could give me every stat about Carolina, uh, Carolina basketball that's ever been thought up. And, and I'm not shaming you in that. I'm just acknowledging that we memorize things we delight in. Some of you know every, you know, you know every part of this recipe for this thing you've made a million times. You know, every, you, you, we, we memorize things we delight in. And the psalmist wants us to see that one of the ways we store up God's word in our heart is to memorize what we delight in. And so purity is found in our humble obedience to God's word. We we humbly obey, we humbly bring our lives into submission to this reality that we're living in God's world as God's creation for God's glory. And the way we keep our lives from wandering away from that toward our world and our sense of creation and our glory, the way we keep our hearts from wandering that direction is we store up this story in our hearts. And we do that by declaring it, delighting in it, meditating on it, and memorizing it. We store up God's word in our hearts. So how do we apply this? Just one thing today that God's way is the pure way. God's way is the pure way. God's way is the pure way. This reality that we live in God's world as God's creation for God's glory, that's the pure way. That's that's the way to wholeness. That's the way to purity. That's the way to to a life that reflects life as God intended. That we live as in God's world, as God's creation, for God's glory. And the reality is every one of us have said to him, but I don't want to do that. But I don't want to. And we've said, I don't really care what you say about the world. I want to live this way. We've said that a million different ways. We've said, no, 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 no. It's, it's not your world. I'm the center of this world. No, I'm not your creation. I get to decide. I get to decide how I live. I get to decide what's right. I get to do this. And no, I'm not living to reflect and savor your glory. I want my glory to be seen and savored. I want people to think I'm awesome. And what that creates is a world filled with conflict. Because if every one of us think we're the center of the world, we're bumping into a lot of other people who think that. 
And that's what is called conflict. Where someone's bumping into my world and they're not recognizing me as the sovereign of it, that's conflict. So in my world, you squeeze the toothpaste in the right place, right? Well, no, no, no. In my world, you squeeze it in the other place. That's conflict. Happens all the time. Now, that's silly, and you just buy two tubes of toothpaste. That's how you make that work. (laughs) But the reality is that's two people who think their way is the way rather than seeing that, no, we're God. This is God's world. I'm God's creation living for God's glory. We want to think the world is ours, and it all runs like we say. But God's way is the pure way. And his way is so pure, and we would never have made up this God, but his way is so pure that though he, and from the overflow of his goodness, created the world, his world put us in it as, our, as his creation to live for his glory. We rebelled against that. He made a way for us to return from the way that doesn't lead to life to the way that does. And his way there is not a list of things we check. It's not a list of boxes that we check, a list of things we perform up to a standard. The way back is his son dying on a cross so that we might repent and become family. This month, all over the world, Muslims all over the world are observing Ramadan, thinking that their box checking makes them pure. Christian. We have a better story. We're not better people. We have a better story. And that story is of a good God that made us for himself. And though we rebelled against him, he sent his son Jesus, not just as a prophet, but as the eternal son of God to live, die, and rise again so that all who had rebelled against God's pure way could be forgiven and redeemed so that we could once again live in God's world, as God's creation, for God's glory, by God's grace. That's the word. That's the word that we hide in our heart that we might not sin against him. It's not a list of commands, a list of box checking. It's this grand story that we're a part of, that we hide that in our heart that we might not sin against him. My hope today, my hope is that we would do so that we'd repent of following our way and follow his, because his is the pure way.